Hi, welcome. Uh, I'm gonna read the scripture and uh, please stand if you're able. Thank you. And Saul approved of their killing him. The church uh, persecuted and scattered. On the day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame with, uh, were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostle hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Let's pray. Thank you, Shaw. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life. And we ask now that you would instruct our hearts as well as our minds, that you would empower and enlighten us. Father, we're not interested in simply being amused. We want to know you, be like you, and follow you. 
let this moment contribute to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, good evening. Great to see you all here. I, uh, you know, when, you, uh, when you're preaching, you are given a passage, and it's all I think about. All week long, night and day, I'm rereading the passage, praying it through, and praying that God would give something, uh, something meaningful to, uh, to share with you. And so I'm really excited today to talk about this idea. We're going to be looking at heart purification. This was the problem that uh, Simon had. It's the problem that we're going to be addressing today. Um, but before, oh, before I jump in, though, I just want to say, uh, David and Snow, do I see you? Can you wave? There they are. This is their last Sunday with us at ENV. They have been here for many, many years and are, a, are just a deep part of our family. And they have really believed that God has been sending them on to participate in a church plant. And uh, we really trust that God has spoken to them. We want to send them out. We don't want them just kind of shrinking away in the background. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you for the ways that you've invested in this church community. And we want to be able to, uh, to pray for them at the end of the service. So for those of you who know them, if you have any prophetic words for them, you're very much invited to come up. We're going to be praying for them immediately after the service. But by way of introduction to this sermon, uh, after Stephen's martyrdom, the church was scattered. When it says the church was scattered, it's like how you scatter seed uh, for planting. The church was scattered like seed, and they bore fruit wherever they were planted. This is really ironic, that you had people who were being persecuted. They flee the city to run for their lives, and as they go out in fear of death, God uses that. And now those same people are the seeds that are planted all around the world, bearing great fruit for the kingdom. Now, here's what's very interesting about the Bible. When the Bible wants to make a point about something, what it often does is it sets up a character as the opposite of that to teach us a lesson. So you have these people, uh, with Philip being the primary person who's been persecuted and kind of reluctantly sent out into the world. Then you have this guy named Simon, and what he does is he kind of becomes an archetype of what all of these people are not. And so as we look at who he is, we get to understand better who they are because they're the, kind of the opposite of who he is. So uh, what he does... He's a sorcerer, as you already heard, and he tries to buy the ability to give people the Holy Spirit. So uh, Simon, who has made his, uh, his vocation being, you know, the power of God. Wouldn't you like that? You know, I don't want a title to give yourself. Um, but he has made a, a life out of being bigger than life, and he wants to be super impressive, and he looks at Philip, and he goes, wow. You have some power that I don't have. I could make even more money and be even more powerful if I got me some of that. And so he tries to buy the Holy Spirit. Then the apostles say this about him, that he's, he has a heart that is captive to sin, and it uses this phrase, full of bitterness. When you do some research, there's, a, there's, another, there's two other translations that say a, a, a bitter jealousy. And what it basically means is that he's envious. And he looks at somebody who has more power 
And he says, that's just going to steal away business. I've got to do something about that. And so he figures if he can buy his way to get that power, he can keep his position of greatness in Samaria. That's not great. Just write that down if you're taking notes. That's don't have a heart full of bitterness. In uh, 1 Timothy 6, 5, it says this, Some think that godliness is a means to financial gain. This is exactly what's going on in Simon's heart, isn't it? He goes, I could make some money off of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's interesting that there are two, they're called the early church fathers. They're at the very beginning of the church, just after the New Testament period. One is named Justin Martyr, the other is named Irenaeus. They actually wrote about Simon the sorcerer. And he was credited with infiltrating the church with heresies. His reputation lived on. What that tells us is that when he asked for forgiveness, it really wasn't very genuine. And he was uh, described as the father of the Gnostics. And what the Gnostics were is they believed that they had this spiritual knowledge that nobody else had. And uh, you just needed to listen to them. And then you would know what to do. So you see Simon. He uses power. He uses money. He uses even knowledge to puff himself up, make, make himself greater than other people. And that's how he has his security and significance. So, we don't want to have a heart like Simon's, that's full of envy, that only feels good about themselves if we're better than other people. We don't want that kind of heart. So, what keeps our heart pure? I'm going on the premise that we don't want to have a heart of bitterness and envy and be captive to sin. So if you're with me, then this will be super interesting. If you're not, go to your happy place, and uh, we'll bring you back in a bit. But, uh, but what keeps our heart, you know, what would keep our heart pure? So I go through this passage of, you know, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 25, and I'm looking through, and I go, how uh, behaviorally, how is Simon different than these people who were scattered and, uh, and went into Samaria, how are they different? Well, this was a hard task. When you look at beliefs, um, Simon believed, and the refugees, basically, from Jerusalem, they also believed. Belief is not a condition. If you believe in Jesus, get this, it's not a condition that you'll have a pure heart. In James, in James, it says that, that even the demons believe and shudder. So simply believing in Jesus is not enough for a pure heart. That's a little disturbing. And then he gets baptized. So this isn't just some superficial belief. He actually commits himself, gets baptized. It says Simon himself believed and was baptized. So you could believe in the truth, be baptized up in the you know, the tank back there. And uh, have a heart full of bitterness and envy, captive to sin. Gets worse. Uh, what about the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, it says that they all received the Holy Spirit. The apostles came and they were all prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. So now you have a guy who believes, he's baptized. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, what else could there be? What about uh, uh, his ethnic or economic privilege? 
you look at, uh, you compare him with the refugees, he should be better off. Uh, he is a Samaritan. He's a man of means. He has some money. He's well-respected. He's got solid circumstances that he lives in. Uh, they had it worse. They, you know, those of you who have, who have come from another place, you know what it's like to move to another country and you feel like you're starting over again. Well, this is who he is. This is who they are. And they're doing better in their relationship with God, having no power or position or money or influence. They're under super stressful uh, circumstances. Those who are going to be going to Turkey are going to experience this firsthand. Seeing what it's like to live as a refugee somewhere, it is not a great life. But you have those are the people who have the pure heart and the person who has the great circumstances, who has, uh, even in terms of their ethnicity and position in society, he's the one who's not doing great. So I don't know about you, but when I think about how to have a solid uh, life and a, and a good heart. I think about what I believe, whether I've been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, whether my circumstances are going well, because that often can knock me off course. So I want to make sure I've got solid circumstances. All of those things don't seem to be a condition for having a good heart. Now, we're going to look at how they are beneficial in just a minute, so we're not going to go too far. But let me ask you, before we look at what, the, what the, the one difference was between all of those refugees and, uh, and Simon, uh, when you feel like you're not doing well, what do you turn to? Where do you go when you're stressed out? Do you say, I need better circumstances. I need more respect. I need to do something that matters. I need a name for myself. I feel so uh, unseen. I need to just read my Bible more and believe it harder. Maybe I need to get baptized again because I, the first time I got baptized as a kid, I hardly knew what I was doing. I should get baptized again. I need to come up front and get prayed for again to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to do it for me. Now, we're going to say in just a moment, all those things are great. But what's sobering in this passage is that Simon the sorcerer did all of that and his heart was described as wicked, captive to sin, full of bitterness and envy and jealousy. There is one difference, according to this passage, that differentiated all of those refugees from Simon is simply this. They proclaimed they preached wherever they went, Jesus as Lord. It says in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. Amazing. Amazing. You're running for your life, and as you're running for your life, you're telling everybody around you about this amazing Lord and Savior who didn't save you and protect you back in Jerusalem. But you're saying he's amazing. You should follow him too. Wow. Philip proclaimed the good news of the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. 
He's one of those. By the way, Philip is not a Samaritan. He's a Greek. And so he's going to another culture, declaring the truths of God, and the odds are not in his favor of being heard. But he's preaching anyways. And then when the apostles show up, they proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus. So what we see in these people is, first of all, they did not blame God. They didn't say, in these horrible circumstances of running for their life, I thought you were good, and look at where I am at now. I had a great life. Everything was going fine. I was with my people, and now I'm running for my life. You don't hear them talk like that. They should, right? They should talk like that, but they don't. They also aren't walking in shame. They aren't going into this new country uh, embarrassed for who they believe in. You know, we gave our, our whole life to God. We've been labeled as Christians. I'm humiliated. I mean, I gave myself to somebody who, who didn't follow through. Maybe it's my fault. I don't know. You don't hear them described in shame. And they aren't just trying to assimilate into their new culture. They're not going to go, okay, that whole Christian thing, that was a phase. And I'm now moving into a new phase of life here in Samaria. I'm going to make a new name for myself, uh, adopt this new culture, and I'm just going to start over again. Uh, one of the uh, commentators on this passage says that these men and women fled as missionaries, not refugees. In some, I think, miraculous way, they were able to take this very difficult lot in life and believe that God was sending them as ministers of the gospel to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. What a fascinating one difference. Like this group of people are distinguished simply by their missionary fervor. And somehow, this uh, commitment to declare the good news of Christ enabled them to have a purity of heart that Simon could not and did not have. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about having a good heart, I don't think the first thing that I should do is tell somebody else about Jesus. I think the opposite. I think I don't have a very good heart. I'm going to wait until I have a good heart, and then I'll let them know when I have something worth selling. But until that moment, I'm just going to keep you know, things to myself, make sure I'm super devoted first, and then uh, I'll let them know when I get my life sorted out. Instead, you have very young Christians running for their lives, not put together in any way, not in terms of, of beliefs or walking with God, not ethnically, not uh, socially or economically, in, in every way, bad circumstances in every way. And their heart remains pure, and the distinguishing factor is their declaration of who Jesus Christ is to people who don't know him. Amazing. So here's my thesis point. 
When we actively join God's mission, our hearts naturally align to his. When we actively join God's mission, our hearts will naturally align to his. Now, I don't know about your particular stories, but uh, I know my story. And if I'm about to tell somebody about Jesus, I'm thinking about having a good heart. I'm preparing myself. And as I have conversations with people, the, those conversations, those questions, the pushback, all help me have a devotion to God that I would not have if I just kept my faith to myself. Isn't this, I mean, I'm sorry, I just find this very shocking. I, I would not have thought before reading this passage that this was going to be the thing that would lead me to having a good heart. For sure, I would have thought more about meditation or being quiet or going on a hilltop or under a tree or by a brook or something. Uh, fishing. No, mountain biking. Um, but I would, have, I would have thought of something like that. Nope. Those who had been scattered, scattered like seed, preached the word of God wherever they went. Philip proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. The apostles proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus. That's what Simon did not do. So what if you and I are waiting for good hearts? We're just waiting. Have you ever tried to figure out how to make your heart better? Have you ever tried to do that? I think about it often. Like, what do you do? Like, like how, do you, how do you go there? Like, okay, heart. <laughs> like, how do, like how, do you, how do you do that? How do you make your heart better? I know how to fake things. And go, wow, hi, how are you? I really care about you. Or like, I know how to fake things, but I don't know how to, how to make, like, how do you make your heart better? I've tried. Ah, memorizing scripture, fasting, I hate that one. I should be fasting more. I should, you know, nope. They preached the word of God wherever they went. And there's something about declaring Jesus Christ as Lord and his kingdom is coming that does something to our hearts that is unique and irreplaceable. Isn't that incredible? Uh, I just want to brag about my wife, who, by the way, is at home now. She spent the night in the hospital, and she's got a sciatica that is just excruciating. And so she says she wants to be here. Um, but uh, all she can do is, is, is go around in the office chair. That's her wheelchair. She goes around the house. It's really sad. Um, uh, so right now we have a uh, puppy business. I think I might have mentioned that. So that's two plugs for a puppy business in just a few weeks. I didn't mean to do that. But, uh, but here's, so I was telling her what, what I was preaching about. 
and how um, if we don't speak about Jesus and have our lives be a living witness, our hearts grow hard and become captive to sin. And so, and so I'm telling her this, and she goes, oh, I know exactly what this is like. So this is kind of her first time being in business, as it were, you know. And, and, uh, and she says, I know that uh, what comes up in my heart is I want to make money. And I put my confidence in making money. And she says, the first thing that I need to do is give something away whenever that happens. Isn't that outstanding? I just need to declare my freedom in Christ that I'm not ruled by money, I'm ruled by him. And she says, and whenever people come over to buy a puppy, I tell them about Jesus. That's not a great sales technique. I'm sure that that has never helped. But she wants her life to be a declaration of who God is because she knows that that's the only way to keep her heart soft and responsive to Christ. Isn't that outstanding? That if you feel as though uh, your work is becoming an idol, talk about Jesus there. If you feel as though money is getting a grip on your heart and you're feeling greedy, like your uh, future happiness depends on how much money you have, give it away. Wherever you go, you advance the kingdom of God and your heart will change. This is just remarkable. Now, uh, let's then backtrack before you think the message of this uh, sermon is to never believe or be baptized or be filled with the Holy Spirit. Only as we are on God's mission do our beliefs, our baptism, our privilege, uh, our ethnic privilege, our social privilege, our circumstances, and even our reception of the Holy Spirit become beneficial. You see, as soon as, uh, as soon as you are on mission, all those other things become super critical. Try going on mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. Try going on mission without knowing the truth of his word. Try going on mission and not being baptized where you have, you have declared, I have died to myself and I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Try going on mission without those things being established. But do you see how it works? Only as we're on mission do we then see the importance of these things. And now all of these things become redeemed. And they become essential in our obedience to Christ and following of his word. It is so fascinating to me that in Mark chapter 1, what do we see as the, get this, initial call of the first disciples? This is the opening line. Come follow me. Sounds good so far. And I'll make you fishers of men. That's your opening line. Notice, come follow me. You'll feel loved and accepted just the way you are. I'm going to do all the inner healing that you could ever imagine. And within a certain number of months, years, maybe decades, you too can share your faith. It's not that. It's come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And in the, in the declaring of the good news of God, those early disciples' hearts were transformed. And what was transformed was their understanding of Scripture, 
was their own baptism, was their own need of the Holy Spirit, was their own discovery that you don't need money or special circumstances to be happy. All of that gets sorted out on mission. So in conclusion, if our heart is not, as it says in verse 21, right before God, who of you here, you don't feel right before God? Maybe you feel like, you've, uh, like your heart has grown cold. Maybe you're stuck in an addiction that is shameful for you. Maybe you've said to him, God, I just have some other things to take care of first. I promise to get around to you later. But if you don't feel as though your heart is right before God, if you do feel jealous, a bitter jealousy, this is, why is it I'm trying to follow Jesus, and why is it that it looks like, especially on Instagram, everybody's doing better than me? Like, why is that? I never get those pics. They seem to just get that. Like, why is that? Why, an envy this is, I'm trying here, and it's not going well. It's not fair. God's answer, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Declare my truth to the nations. Start there. Don't end there. Start there. And watch me do things in your heart that could never have been accomplished otherwise. Then we will discover what it says in Romans 8, 35. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble, trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Those people would have experienced all that. How do you discover that nothing will separate you from the love of God? You go through that. You go through that. I don't know how many times I've prayed, God, uh, I, I totally get this testing thing and that you're disciplining me as a child, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this one is just a little over the top. That's what I'm thinking. This one, I, I, could, I could track with you for the last number, and this one's over the top. I can't handle this. It's too much. And then you discover that you're praying and that you're talking to him, and you're working it through with him. And wouldn't you know it? That doesn't separate you from God either. It's so beautiful that the very things that we fear, as we go through them, we discover, no, nope, that isn't my Lord either. That doesn't define me either. Jesus has the ability to transcend all of these things and for me to find life in him. And I find that on the way while I'm doing what he's called me to do, to be a minister of reconciliation. In fact, these very things that you and I might be afraid of. Are you afraid of poverty? I get afraid of poverty. You ever get afraid of poverty? I get afraid. Are you afraid to be embarrassed? Are you afraid to look stupid? 
Are you afraid to be misunderstood? Are you afraid to be alone? All of these things have the potential, get this, of increasing our passion, increasing our purity, increasing our fruitfulness as we embrace what life gives us in the context of doing his mission. So I implore you this evening, don't make the mission of God part two of your Christian journey. Start there. Tonight, tomorrow when you're at work, speak of Jesus. Demonstrate Jesus. And I can promise you that your heart will be different. In the things that you believe, the baptism that you experienced, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you experienced will all make way more sense and will come alive in your heart as you embrace the purposes of God. If we could have the worship team come up, I'd like to pray for us. Actually, could we please stand together, if you'd be so kind, if you're able. <clears throat> so Father, it is true, I just thank you for your word, because if I would have thought what would have given us, what would have given me, what would have given us a pure heart, I wouldn't have put this at the top of my list. And so I thank you again for the beauty of your word. I thank you again for showing us a way forward that's realistic and doable. I can't imagine how to change my heart. I find it hard to imagine even how you can do that. But I thank you, I thank you, that when we actively join in your purposes, our hearts naturally align to yours. We naturally become like you, and you are full of peace and joy and righteousness and kindness, patience, goodness. You're full of all those things. And so as we say yes to what your heart longs for, which is the coming of your kingdom on earth, we then find ourselves in your heart, which makes ours new. Father, I ask now on behalf of my friends that our heart would be right before you. Not perfect, but right. That it would be rightly aligned with you. And so I pray that you would settle in our hearts a conviction to speak of you wherever we're scattered. To see ourselves as living seed, planting the truth of God wherever we go. Liberate us, Father, from our fears. Set us free from our anxieties. Break off of us that fear of man. Liberate us to be ministers of reconciliation. If you want, you can have your hands open and receive that calling even now. To receive the calling as a missionary into this lost and dying world. As Carol already said, Father, we need to be sent. 
So send us now by your spirit. Let's